A tornado that shot stalks of corn through the sky in a hailstorm. A tornado that killed 45,000 migrating ducks. A tornado that spent six hours on the ground. Phil Schwartz covers the top five most unique tornadoes in the U.S. Next, on Whatever the Weather. This is digital producer Jen Rourke for Whatever the Weather, and today here with uh, meteorologist Phil Schwartz. Hi, Phil. Hey, Jen. How are you? Let us uh, know what we're going to be talking about today. Well, you know what? I like making top five lists. This is my own personal list of the five most unique tornadoes. Not necessarily the strongest, but they had certain characteristics that you don't get to see very often. And I got a few cheat sheets here because I can't remember all the facts about them. We were talking about the most unique tornadoes. What makes a normal tornado? You know, a normal tornado spins cyclonically. It has, you know, most tornadoes are what we consider EF0, EF1, weak tornadoes. It's about 75% are what we consider weak tornadoes. So if it's super strong, if you get up to an EF5 where sustained winds are over 200 miles per hour, if it spins anticyclonically, if it moves in a direction we usually don't see tornadoes move, like from the, the northeast to the southwest, that's very unusual. If it's almost stationary, if it does a loop, that, that makes it, at least in my book, unique. Number five. This is one many of us will be familiar with. It happened on August 28, 1990, right here in uh, in our area in uh, Plainfield. 29 people died, including 17-year-old Letitia Harrod. Didn't get to see her be a parent. Didn't get to see her go to college. Letitia's five-week-old baby, Titania, also died. So did Stephen Hunt, a teacher who was at Plainfield High when the tornado destroyed the school. The football and volleyball teams took cover in a hallway they survived. All kinds of little miracles happened that day. It was unique in that we weren't expecting widespread severe weather. We had something aloft called a northwest flow. Frequently, we consider the perfect setup to be a southwest flow, but every now and then we can get a pretty nasty outbreak with a northwest flow because what's happening is aloft, the winds are out of the northwest, but at the surface, they're out of the south. So that creates a lot of shear. So that's why once in a while we see severe weather with a northwest flow, but frequently, we just don't have the moisture or the other dynamics to get a tornado, and certainly nothing like what we saw on August 28, 1990. It remains the only F5 twister ever recorded during the month of August anywhere in the country, and it's the only F5 that actually happened in our immediate area. So a very unique tornado. It started uh, during the uh, mid to late afternoon hours, and it was wrapped in rain which made it virtually impossible to see. So, you know, we, we talk about the school, how the kids were just getting out of school when this tornado struck. You see this massive storm coming, but you can't actually see the tornado. So there's no real good pictures of this tornado, but the debris and the way that some of the structures were completely wiped clean, where all you see is left is, is a cement slab. I mean, that is indicative of an incredibly strong tornado. Uh, a 20-ton tractor trailer, picked up and tossed a quarter of a mile. So an incredibly strong tornado in our viewing area in the month of August, late August, which is not unheard of, but extremely rare to get a tornado, especially of that magnitude uh, during that time of the season. Now, I remember the 1990 Plainfield tornado. I was a kid. I remember I was watching the Muppet Babies cartoon show. Mm -hmm. The cable went out. And then a few minutes later, we were under the table in our basement laundry room for, you know, a couple hours listening to the radio. 
have you had a personal experience with any tornadoes uh, either on this list, were you around for 1990, or have you had any personal tornado experiences where it's sort of stuck in your mind? Well, you know what, two events. One happened well before I was born. I grew up in Flint, Michigan. In 1953, there was a, one of the deadliest tornadoes ever to strike anywhere in the country, went right through Flint just about five miles from where I grew up, and it killed uh, something like 120, 130 people. And it was it's something that I always learned about growing up as a kid. As far as seeing a tornado, I only saw one briefly. Uh, I was working early mornings in Flint, and I would worked till noon, and I'm taking an afternoon nap, and my wife wakes me up, and she goes, you got to see the sky. So I go and look, and I'm like, you know, it's rather tumultuous. I'm looking out my one window, and I can see things are ro moving from the north to the south. And I see what looks like the whole spin of a, of a wall cloud. I go look out the window looking the other way, and the clouds are moving from the north to the south. I'm like, huh, that's not good. And I look up, and I just see everything spinning. And it moves a little east of me. And then all of a sudden, I start to see debris flying straight up over this golf course. And it was just a very brief spin up of a tornado maybe a half mile from where I was. And you could see the debris for about 20, 30 seconds, ripped up a, a few branches and all. It wasn't a very strong tornado, but it was definitely a brief tornado that I got to see for about 15 to 20 seconds. So those were my two experiences directly with tornadoes. They're very hard to actually see. Even storm chasers, uh, a lot of times, they can't get the tornado. They're still a relatively rare event. Granted, we get about 1,000 a year across the country, but many of them are in, in sparsely populated areas. Number four. This one I remember because it was so unique. This was May 27th, 1997 in Gerald, Texas. It had some of the most extreme damage we have ever seen. It was just crawling along. And you know, again, the movement of this tornado was, was so unique. It actually moved from the north back to the south-southwest. And it was just creeping along. At times, it was hardly even moving. It was three-quarters of a mile wide. An entire subdivision was destroyed, and that's where all 27 fatalities occurred in this tornado. It lasted over six hours. So here you got a tornado that's moving in the exact opposite direction that most tornadoes move. It's three-quarters of a mile wide. The only reason there weren't more fatalities is you could see this thing, and it was moving so slowly that you had time to get out of the way of it, and, and a lot of people did. But the damage was so extreme that some vehicles, they never found any of the vehicle. They were, they were just gone. Uh, you know, they were probably just ripped into many different parts, but those vehicles were never found. So number four on my list has to be the Gerald, Texas tornado, uh, and that happened back in, on May 27th, 1997. I'll never forget that because you just don't see a tornado very often move from the north back to the south-southwest, but that's exactly what happened with that tornado. That one stayed on the ground for six hours. You said that Correct. was pretty memorable. What? How long does the average tornado kind of hang out on the ground? Most tornadoes are on the ground just for about a few minutes, about maybe 10 minutes at most. Um, they'll sometimes reform. You know, the same cell could spawn several different tornadoes. And sometimes some of the bigger tornadoes have what we call satellite tornadoes, where the, the tornado rotates around the wall cloud or the main tornado. So you see one big tornadoes and then maybe two or three smaller tornadoes rotating around that bigger tornado. That's, I've seen that a couple of times on video, which is just fascinating to me. Number three. 
And this one was unique in what it did more than the tornado itself and the time of the year. Uh, Pampa, Pampa, Texas, P-A-M-P-A, it's in the panhandle of Texas. This one happened just a few years ago, back on November 16th, 2015. Again, think of the time of the year. November 16th, very unusual time to get tornadoes, even in the southern plains. That day, there were over 40 tornadoes reported. This one in particular was an EF3. Now, this is the time of year in that part of the country that they do a lot of harvesting, uh, and there's a lot of corn down there. It drove a corn stalk right through a radiator of a truck. It also picked up all the corn stalks. The strong updrafts lifted them up into the, towards the top of the uh, thunderstorm. They got coated with ice, and then they fell to the ground, creating something that was, and I put this in parentheses, corn hail. So imagine these corn stalks falling on you, they're heavy, and they're coated with ice. That's what happened in Pampa, Texas, uh, back on November 16th, 2015. It was rated as an EF3 tornado, and that is the latest in the year this part of the country has ever seen a tornado this strong. Number two. This was a horrible day for Grand Island, Nebraska, uh, on June 3rd of 1980. Just in the, 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 the small city of Grand Island, there were seven tornadoes, including an F4. You know, usually we think of tornadoes spinning counterclockwise. Three of these tornadoes, and this happens once in a great while, were spinning anticyclonically, the clockwise in, in other words, okay? That is very rare. 95 to 99% of all tornadoes spin cyclonically. There was one massive storm, what we call a supercell, that spawned all seven of these tornadoes. One tornado actually traveled in a complete loop. So it looped back, right back around to where it initially touched down. All of these tornadoes were moving fairly slowly at 15 to 20 miles per hour. At times, one tornado was as wide as 1,000 yards. Think how wide that is. The, the chaotic tracks you know, made it very difficult to figure out what should you do other than to seek shelter. So it was just a crazy day. Seven tornadoes. Think of taking one small community and going through seven tornadoes, one doing a loop, all of them traveling in just these crazy patterns, which are completely unpredictable. It was just a crazy tornado day in Grand Island uh, back in June of 1980. That sounds really scary. When we think of a tornado approaching, we always think of, I think, one tornado just mm -hmm. coming at us. Can you imagine being surrounded by yeah. multiple tornadoes? Yeah, you look to your left and you see this massive tornado, and you look to your right, and much closer is possibly a smaller tornado, but it's a satellite tornado spinning around because the whole storm itself is rotating so you can get these spin-ups around the 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 massive center tornado so yeah, that can be pretty unique and yeah that can be obviously pretty unsettling number one my number one tornado and this is going back a ways and there's some question to the accuracy of some of the claims that happened but this was the great bend kansas uh, tornado in november of 1915. it happened at night and there were just a lot of strange things that happened that night. Five horses were carried a quarter of a mile. They were found completely fine, but they were a quarter mile away. A huge cement building was completely destroyed, but two wooden shacks sitting right next to it, untouched. They found canceled checks over 300 miles away from this tornado. I think we saw some checks travel when we had the Coal City Diamond tornado. I we remember did. stories about checks being found across other states. Yeah, my wife actually found 
some debris in our yard that day. From Coal City to Chicago is probably about a distance of 75 miles. Um, so yeah, debris can, can travel a long way, but to see debris travel 300 miles, that in itself is very unique. But 80 miles northeast of the tornado, all sorts of, of debris, money, photos, actually fell from the sky. And also, which is kind of sad as well, 45,000 migrating ducks were killed by this one tornado back in November of 1915 uh, in Great Bend, Kansas. So, you know, a really weird series of um, events happened with that tornado. As far as the science of it, we don't know that much about it just because it happened so long ago. You know, one tornado I didn't put on the list that we've always, as far as anybody who's into the weather, you always hear about the tri-state tornado because it killed so many people. It killed, I, I want to say it was like five, 600. I, I, don't, I don't have the number in front of me. It's not clear if it was one tornado the whole time, but it started in Missouri, crossed into Illinois, crossed into Indiana. If it was on the ground that entire time, it would have been the long, longest-lived tornado ever recorded. What most people believe is it was a, a single supercell that spawned a tornado, that tornado lifted up, spawned a tornado, that tornado lifted up. But that was probably the most devastating, and I'd, I'd, I'd put that as number six on my list. But you could make an argument that the, the tri-state tornado, just because of its sheer strength, size, longevity, and the number of fatalities, belongs on the list as well. But just an incredible amount of damage in today's dollars, probably uh, over $2 billion. Uh, and it killed like around 750 people. It's believed that there was one tornado that did the vast majority of the damage, but not all of the damage. So it still remains the deadliest tornado in U.S. history, March 18, 1925. And it did cross Illinois, but it stayed well south of our area, mainly in southern Illinois. And it was really a precedent for you know, how strong tornadoes can get because it's one of the strongest uh, ever seen. It, it took the bark off of trees. It scoured the, the ground clean in many areas into southern Illinois and actually obliterated a town in southern Illinois called Gorham uh, at 2.30. It was completely wiped off the map and it killed 34 people just in that one town. So, yeah, it, it probably could be long on, my, on this list. It's an oddity in that how strong it was and how long it lasted. I noticed two of the uh, uh, tornadoes on your list happened in November. And, yeah. you know, the Washington tornado downstate Illinois, yes. that was in November. We think of that as such, as an, as such an anomaly. Yes. But apparently that's sort of an anomalous thing that's happening around the country every so often. Every so often it happens, especially, you know, you get into, we, we get a second peak in severe weather in the Midwest, usually not going into November, but usually uh, once you get into very late August and into the, at least the first half of September, we sometimes get the secondary peak. And the thing about November is the jet stream is stronger again. So even though tornadoes are much more rare in November, they have the upper air energy where they can be quite potent. So tornadoes are rare when you get into November. But the jet stream energy is great, so they have the potential of being quite powerful. For example, the, the Washington tornado that then traveled up towards uh, Coal City. I was going to ask, you know, your list uh, goes through Texas, Nebraska, mm -hmm. the Midwest, yep. I, and, and Kansas. So there weren't 
not Oklahoma, and only one in Kansas. That's that's sort of our tornado alley, right? Is that sort of the most it is normal place to have tornadoes? Is just it, straight up the middle, right? And and yeah, that's tornado alley. So that's part of the reason I didn't list tornadoes like uh, the Moore, Oklahoma, which which has been hit by three uh, F5 tornadoes in their history. And there's been studies done. Why are they getting hit by these? Uh, historically strong tornadoes, and there is some uh, topographic features to their west that could possibly explain it, but it hasn't been proven. But I remember going down there to, to do a story um, a few years after a tornado went through uh, and leveled a school down there while the kids were in, and it was a horrible tragedy uh, just a few years ago. And I got to speak to one of the mothers there, and you know, she shared with me off camera that none of the children are all right. You know, this is years ago. Anytime there's thunder, the, the, the children wake up screaming and crying. The, 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 you know, these kind of things can scar you. But they were rebuilding the school, and they were doing it with a special room in the middle, a large room, that could withstand an, an EF5 tornado, which is very rare. But what was amazing to me, there had to be 200 people working on this on this new school and you could see how they were reinforcing this room uh, with uh, this rebar and the, the cement blocks and then coating that so uh, you know they take it seriously down there but the, you know part of the reason a tornado in Oklahoma isn't that uncommon so that's another th reason why the more Oklahoma tornadoes didn't make my list if I made the most powerful tornadoes that wouldn't one of the more Oklahoma tornadoes is still considered uh, the strongest with winds over 300 miles, at least measured by a uh, what we call a Dow, a Doppler on wheels. So, um, yeah, they get a lot of tornadoes down in Oklahoma. They get a lot in Texas, too. We don't get nearly as much as, as they get, thank goodness. Well, thanks so much for taking us through your list, Phil Schwartz. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. And uh, thanks for joining us on Whatever the Weather. We'll see you next week. You can find this and more podcasts like it at abc7chicago.com slash podcasts.